Exodus 32. A chapter that is should be quite sobering for every believer because it is not only found in the history of the Israelites in the Old Testament. There's a warning given to the pagan society in Corinth with a reference to this very event in Exodus 32 that the Christians in Corinth should be careful not to fall for the temptation not to be lewd, not to be idolatrous. We would do well to read scriptures and everything God wants to communicate to us so that we can avoid the snares, the pitfalls, walk safely, wisely, and fruitfully before the Lord our God and all the blessings that He's given us. Exodus chapter 32. Beginning with verse 1, I have the King, New King James Version here, whatever version you have, you can read from that, Exodus 32, beginning with verse 1, and I would extend the opportunity to a brother or sister who would like to read from verse 1 to verse 10. Exodus 32, 1 to 10. Praise the Lord. Pastor, can I read? Yes, please go ahead. Yes. Uh, Exodus chapter 32, and as devotion, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Uh, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold, gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, there are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan uh, revelry. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. You people whom, your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone, so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Amen. Praise God.
Praise God. Someone else please read from 11 to verse 21. Exodus 32, verse 11 to 21. A New Living Translation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt? With, with such a great power and such a strong hand. Why, let the Egyptians say, their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and whipping them from the face of the earth. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servant Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven. I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants. They will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below, below them, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like a war in the camp. But Moses replied, No, it's not a shout of victory, nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he grounded it with, into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, What these people do to you to make you drink such a terrible sin upon them? Praise to God. Praise God. And someone else... Please read the balance of the chapter, Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verses 22 through 35, NLT version. Don't get so upset, my Lord, Aaron replied. You yourselves know how evil these people are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Each of you, Take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, 
even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin but I will go back to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, Erase my name from the record you have written. But the Lord replied to Moses, No, I will erase the name of everyone who has sinned against me. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf Aaron had made. Praise God. Praise God. Moses had been away getting extensive teaching from the Lord, instruction on the building of the tabernacle, the courtyard area, the furniture, the choosing of the artisans as we read yesterday, and the priestly garments and so forth. He was away getting this word from the Lord. And chapter 32 opens with this verse. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and they confronted Aaron when the people saw that Moses delayed in the NLT it says when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain they gathered around Aaron Later on, we'll see a tragic mistake made by the first king of Israel, Saul, when he did not wait for the God-appointed man who was to come and perform the sacrifice, namely the prophet Samuel. Saul was presumptuous. And he went ahead and did what he was not supposed to do. We have this incident here in Exodus. And we have an incident in the book of Samuel. 
to show us how seriously God takes the appointment for any office that he gives and how the qualifications are reviewed by him, God himself. And he appoints and he anoints. And just as the priests who are first instituted here, Aaron on down, no one else was supposed to do that particular duty. And what happened to the people? They began to complain. They began to feel that Moses is taking too long. Moses is delaying. In other words, the timing of the man of God or the prophet of God is way off. We need to get to work. We need to get this thing going. We don't have time to wait for the pastor. We don't have time to wait for God's prophetess. We don't have time to wait. We have to get going. The connection is that here, God was the one who was holding Moses up in the mountain. God was working precisely according to his divine schedule. But the people that had seen the miracles had uh, the self on the throne of their hearts. It's very clear. And the extent to which that self was reigning in the heart is seen in the actions they undertook in the rest of this chapter, tragic actions. They went ahead and they persuaded Aaron to make gods. We need to be clear on who we believe. We need to be clear on who God is working through and who he appoints and anoints. And after knowing that clearly, we need to act in subordination to God's divine calendar and his instructions. We live in a day and age where Uncle Pete is as equal as the pastor or bishop or whatever calling someone has in whatever church. Because everything is down to earth and everything is equal. The only difference is that pastor or whoever the leader has got there first and they did a little studying maybe, got some schooling in theology and they have their position secure or they've uh, aspired to that and that's what they do. But other than that, there's really no difference. 
That's the way church operates today on the one hand. On the other hand, there's a false authoritarian concept that people who don't have anointing, they try to manipulate the masses by intimidating them, by confusing them, by withholding truth, by twisting truth, having an an ecclesiastical authority or hierarchy to control the people and to make them do what they want them to do while they build their empire. Both are absolutely not from God. Anyone with any amount of sincerity reading the scriptures would know something's terribly wrong with either of those approaches to ministry, understanding ministry, by both the ministers and the people ministered to. The biblical way and the spiritual way God's revelations shows It is God who calls someone into a sacred office. It's a sacred thing. It's a holy thing. We we see how extensively God had pronounced the position of the priest and how no one was to infringe upon that. No one was to take liberties to go get a priestly garment and say, I'm a priest too, or I can do some of that stuff. What's the big deal? I have hands like that priest, and he picks up that animal, and he slays it. and he... Any one of us can do that. But it was God who called, and he strictly prohibited anyone else from doing what the priest alone could do. And he anointed them, and the visible anointing was seen by the people through the smearing or the dabbing or the daubing of the holy anointing oil and the sprinkling of the blood and the various duties that the priest alone could do. We need to see in the scriptures what God has set up. God didn't do it just because It was some historical event that has no bearing for us today. But we can learn how we ought to behave in the church of God and what he expects from everyone and how his program goes, how he operates. But if the the calling is not there and people are hirelings, If people see being a pastor as a profession or a job or a hobby, then it's quite natural for people who are led by that particular pastor or bishop or whoever it is as being nothing more than a title, occupation. That person is just like me and I'm just like them. Yes, sense of humanity, absolutely. We all have to come to the cross. We all need the blood of Jesus. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Greek nor barbarian. But in another real sense, God clearly shows the very important difference 
when he calls someone and he anoints them, he appoints and he anoints them, and he defends them, as we will see, how many times he did that for Moses, particularly even for Aaron, and later on for his prophets. It's a very sacred thing, a very solemn duty, calling, and it's a very dangerous thing to trespass the boundaries that God has set up. This is not for man or woman to lord it over people, and as we stated, to establish an empire and oppress people, seek self-advantage. God will act swiftly in those cases also. With God, there is no partiality. Everyone will get what he or she deserves according to what he or she does. So it's easy for people today to look and say, well, there's no such thing over here. I don't believe in any holiness or sacredness or any particular office other than politically perhaps in an organization and it's just a function. It's just, uh, you can say a calling in a secular way, something they like to do. Maybe they're geared to do that. Maybe they're cut out to do that. Look at the natural talents or their acumen in administrative skills or people skills. When it comes to spiritual appointment from God Almighty, He Himself calls forth, seeing the basic qualifications of that integrity, humility, faith, and so on, He appoints, He equips as only He can. This is far beyond book learning or learning a professional trade, or learning by some type of osmosis, being around people who seem to be ahead in that particular field. This is a calling. This is a divine appointment. This is a divine anointing that God gives, if it's truly from God. Many, many, many are not called by God. They're not anointed by God. And so it's easy to see why. People don't see any regard, particular regard that they ought to give for any office in the ministry or the person. That's what happened to these people here at Exodus 32. Already they began to grumble and murmur against this man who, after all, 80-something years old, was simply following the living God, having been called by God, appointed by him anointed by him to do this great task. And he loved the people. God's burden was dropped into Moses. He began to love the people and see how he interceded for them here. He would regret it, no doubt, later. Just because God gives something doesn't mean that he's willing all the time. And people pressed God they pressed the prophet Samuel. We want a king. It was told to them that God is your king. Why do you need a man to be your king? God is your king. And I'm his priest. I'm his prophet, Samuel would say. 
You have everything, Israel. You can flourish. No, we want to be like the other people. They have a king, and we think we like that. How many people like to be like the world, and they just flirt with the world, their minds are filled with the world, and they've got a copycat syndrome going. They try to bring it into their spiritual lives, and disaster comes. Thinking that the grass is green on the other side, when the other side is actually death and decay, poison ivy. We're the ones on the fertile ground. We're the ones in the green pastures. We're the ones who find pasture where our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, leads us. We have everything. If they wanted someone else other than Moses, they wanted to be their own leaders. They said, who is this Moses anyway? And where is he? Why is he taking so long? Doesn't he know we have appointments here? We have a Sweet 16 party to throw here. We have all kinds of things going on. This man's up there in the mountain somewhere. and I don't know what happened. Listen, we have places to go to, people to see, and things to do. That makes him God's. Aaron, you're his older brother. He's not here. You're next in charge. Let's go. That haste not only leads to waste, but it leads to utter destruction as people lost their lives. How did it happen? Self was fully intact. It's a dangerous thing, and it's important for every person in the body of Christ at large, no matter what church they belong to. If they belong to a true church that is part of the body, the universal body of Jesus Christ, to see whether there's an element of haste, unsettling, feeling, I can do it, we can do it, we don't need him or them. We just need to know the principles and how to go ahead and operate this. One sin leads to another. Once they despise the servant of God. They despise the office that God had given that servant of God. They despise the anointing of God, not only appointment, not only the appointment, but the anointing of God that spoke directly against the Holy Spirit. Because of the Spirit of God came upon Moses. And that's why he was able to distribute by God's providence some of that spirit that he had in others. There's an impartation that only came from heaven. Man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from God, from heaven. And as they despised God himself by despising the servant of God, the real servant of God, Nothing really happens if people despise people who claim to be servants of God, pastors, a dime a dozen, many, 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 many. In fact, there's a very prominent denomination that's supposed to be believing in the Holy Spirit and all these things, perhaps the most popular in that particular denominational persuasion, Pentecostal in nature. 
they have magazines that they circulate. And you can see how as some people have in these fake universities and institutions, rightly called diploma mills, where people just pay a fee and they get a PhD that they can put on the wall. They can pay a fee and they can get graduate degrees, masters, whatever you want. Um, and if you want to show that you did some work, well, why don't you type up a two-page essay on why you deserve the PhD and we'll give you any PhD you want in any field, a diploma mill. And so it is with people who are not called by God, but in this particular magazine of uh, perhaps the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world, a wonderful, vibrant history when it started in the early 20th century, but um, become quite lukewarm today. They have all kinds of ministers. It's like a revolving door. This one was ordained. And this one is uh, deordained. They've been dismissed. This one is on probation. Some things are wrong. And they have almost like a census that you read, some records of uh, births and deaths. It's a spiritual diploma mill for pastors and leaders. What a travesty of the title of a pastor or evangelical leader. No wonder the state of the church is what it is today. There's no seeking after God. Lord, is this your will? First of all, am I prepared? They take anyone and everyone, so long as you do what? Have some favor with the interviewing committee who themselves are many times, we have witnessed personally, quite corrupt. And they put people in places. Why? Because we need to reach more people for Christ. Often, what they end up doing is make their proselytes twofold son of hell than they are, as the Lord warned against the Pharisees. We need to know these things. We need to establish these things. We cannot go blindly or act as if we're naive when God has given the Spirit of God to expose the error, to guard our souls so we don't fall into that pitfall, the trap. These people had the Word of God. They enjoyed his presence. They saw promotions coming. They saw miraculous provisions in the wilderness. They thought, we're doing pretty good, but we don't like this man Moses. He shows up late and <laughs> can't do this. We need another leader. And you know what? Maybe it's God that's holding up Moses. We don't even want God, not that God. Let's make some other gods that really will do what we say. In fact, they're so pliable and malleable that they won't even talk back because they're statues. A golden cow. That's the best deal. You can do whatever you want. Take a picture. Put your arm around that golden cow's neck and take a picture. It won't do anything to you. 
You can dance around naked, do whatever you want. This religion is user-friendly, you see. Exactly what happened here. We think to ourselves, how could this have ever happened? How could you see the Red Sea? Open up. See the enemy destroyed right behind you. You escaped safely. You have water coming out of the rock. You have manna falling from the sky. Angels' food, it's written in the Psalms. Men ate angels' food. You have all kinds of things happening that no other people have seen on the face of the earth. God calling this people as his very own treasure. Totally undeserved. What do they do with all that grace? They spit at it. They step over it. As it's written in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 29 onwards. Totally despise the blood of the covenant. Despise God. How does this happen? Exactly the way it happens when people fall today. Whether they're leaders or laity. By doing what they feel like. Never mind that God gets angry. You know what? Listen, I'm angry right now. That's what you hear from people. Many times in counseling we've heard that. How arrogant. How foolish. Doing things that are displeasing to God. Having the self enthroned. And then complaining about how angry I am. And God's anger is provoked. Who's God? When we read the scriptures properly, we get to understand who this God is. He's a holy God. He's a just God. He's merciful, but he will render to people who despise his mercy and think they can go on cruising along doing what they feel like and choosing their own gods and claiming to be God. It's a very, very momentous period in Israel's history, right from the beginning. How treacherous they were. And before we go on accusing them, we need to scrutinize our own lives and see what we have done with the grace of God given to us. Maybe we need to hang our heads in shame. Lord, I have tried to play God in this instance. When you told me to do this, I refused to do it. I claimed that it was annoying and I was angry. And he's to blame and she's to blame. I can't stand it, God. Can you give that duty to somebody else, that job? Lord, I'm bitter right now. And I want to stay that way. Can you come back after two days, God? What is that saying? I'm on the throne of my heart, not God. The people sacrificed. You see, they adopted religion to do what they wanted to. And they have a pseudo-religion, a false religion going. It looks like the real thing. Some of the elements are there. They have peace offerings, burnt offerings. Sounds very familiar. They have gods, except it's not the real God, but that's okay. It's just a minor detail. But we have burnt offerings. We have peace offerings. We have the Eucharist. We have communion. We have priests set up. We have smoke, incense. We have 
all kinds of societies and don't judge us. Let's all pitch in for unity. Let's be one. Why not? Why are you judging me because my God is gold and it looks like a cow? You don't even have any object. I don't see. Where's your God? Some invisible God? Let's all be one. You do whatever you want, but let's not fight. Let's be one. A fight broke out right here against the demons as Moses called out and said, who's on the Lord's side? May the Lord help us to understand exactly the way he wants us to understand what we're reading here. I trust that the Lord will speak to each and every one of you so that you get exactly what God is saying to you from him, not what anybody thinks. Exodus 32. The people saw Moses delayed. The one extreme is people who are self-appointed and they do whatever they want. There's no regard for anything. It's just an enterprise. It's a social event. It's a club. It has some religious flavor. And um, we can act like a chameleon. Any place we go, we can change colors. It's a false religion, false Christianity. On the other hand, you have another false one where people have some respect for the clergy, but it's because of intimidation and manipulation. And uh, there's a ministerial voice some people adopt, sometimes broad and stern looking, and people are afraid, and they know that's the minister coming. You better watch out. Both classes will go right into hell. God will not spare on that day for any buffoons. But then there's the real appointed people of God anointed of God, they fear the Lord, they love the Lord, love the people, don't fear the people, but fear the Lord, and so they give the people what the Lord wants to give them, and that's it. For those people, God says, keep a certain boundary, because they're receiving the oracles of God and giving it to you, if you despise them in any way, what you're doing is despising. You're despising the anointing that I put on them. If you act clever and you push and pull and try to expose a little bit of pride here and there and then pull it back when you want to, God sees all of that and he'll make sure you fall and stumble over your own foolishness. We've seen that happen time and time again. It's sad. Why not just humble ourselves and say, Lord, Show me what my role is in your body and help me to be happy with what you've given me and help me to go on the track that you have for me, rendering honor to whom honor is due. First of all, honor the living God by honoring his commandments, by doing them, giving my body, honoring the temple that God has given me, and then loving my neighbor as I love myself. There's no problem whatsoever. These people not only despised 
Moses despised God. They despised each other because they began to fornicate. They began to be idolatrous. They were unrestrained. They were running loose. And the Bible expressly states that they were naked. To their shame. What happened? Demons came into the camp. And whoever had pride of any sort, the demon lodged in them. And they began to act like the demon. They began to say, let's make our own gods. Pride comes before the fall every single time. God knows every heart. It's better to be humble inside and out rather than pretend. That's the worst thing, hypocrisy. That's a false humility. To say nice words and say how much we respect someone, when on the inside we say, hmm, who does he think he is? Who does she think he is? She is. I can do that. That's no biggie. That's what they said to Moses. Who does Moses think? We're all prophets. That's what they said later on. And the earth opened up and swallowed them. Because God came down. He said, stop playing games. They corrupted themselves. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know that some miracles happened, but he's gone. He's disappeared. He's late. And Aaron said to them, A demon got into Aaron. No doubt, demon got into Aaron. Well, break off the golden earrings, people which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a calf. Let's skip to verse 24. When Moses said, what? have you done Aaron he said well I told them to give me the gold they have and uh, I, I just threw it into the fire and the calf came out how one sin begets or gives birth to another sin what a vicious cycle once a demon gets in it's easier for other demons to get in that's why we have to be very careful when God says don't cross this line stay out of the way that goes for everyone, every one of us. We would do well to be stern in that regard when we have a friend, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, grandson, granddaughter, cousin, whoever it is, uncle, aunt, you name it. To tell them, God loves you, God loves me. We've got to walk according to his every commandment because they're life to us. We don't ever consider option B when it comes to God's commandments because that would mean an open door for the devil. That's our duty. But we have to preach to ourselves first. Obey it. It says here that this man 
who is the first high priest, what a merciful God God is. God could have just wiped out Aaron on the spot. He said, how dare you do it? I just had you anointed. Or I gave instructions for your anointing. How dare you do this? See the mercy of God? How merciful God is. He could have wiped everyone out, but he allowed himself to listen to Moses. Out of this whole generation, no one made it. No one, not a single person, except for Joshua and Caleb. Even Aaron died, never made to the promised land. He could have. But he wasn't careful. Later on, he sinned again. We need to look at the Bible also as a map and see where someone started, point A, and how they went through their track, their journey, where they took the liberty to make some detours. I think I'll visit this one over there. Oh, she's calling, he's calling. And pretty soon, be like the prodigal, out of money, out of respect. That's where the devil can come and say, well, you're no good anyway. You had a great time, but now look at you. Nobody wants to be a friend. It's a dangerous path, and it can lead to death in more than one way. This man received the gold from their hand. He fashioned it with an engraving tool, made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine this? It's just beyond any kind of concept of a human being who's seen miracles, who has witnessed God's love, and look at what they do. But we're not so far removed from them because sometimes the demon of money, not money itself, but the love of money, the greed, the covetousness, can quickly put a hook in a Christian. Yes, if we're not careful. Doing good, don't care about money or anything, all of a sudden the desire, what if I had more of it? And what if I can get it this way? Oh, no, 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 that's illegal. It violates God's principles. I don't think so. Maybe I should consult God. No, I think I better jump on this opportunity. But consulting God would keep us safe. But it's possible for us to deviate. We might as well say, well, dollar bill, I worship you and bow down to it very low, face down. Have a dollar bill stacked up, dollars, cents. People do that. Essentially. When money becomes a motivating factor. What's wrong with it? The more the better, isn't it? Not necessarily. We know that. But we can switch gods like that. And still do some Christian things. Still offer the sacrifice of what? Praise, worship, prayer, Bible reading, Bible study, church attendance, tithing. But uh, a little more for myself. It's a danger. It's a snare. The reason it's being mentioned is it can happen anytime to anyone who's presumptuous and thinks, well, I don't have to 
watch anything, and I'm not going to be stern about anything. I'm not going to push away anybody by telling them the whole truth and scaring them. I'm going to love everybody the way I want to love them. Withhold the truth. Others, the desire to be with someone physically. It's not God's plan at all at that time or with that person. But the desire, how? Because we gave our ear to conversations, we gave our eyes to certain things, and what did we do? We gave fuel to the fire. We begin to hunger and desire for that. And all of a sudden, that which didn't seem to have any hold on us starts becoming a magnetic pull. It's dangerous. A person can hold up a woman or a man, whoever they picture and imagine being with, and literally bow down before them. These are your gods, O Israel. You're still Christian, but you have this now. Others' fame, I've got to be popular. I can't afford for this person not to like me. It hurts. It feels much better to be liked by everyone. I want to be a politically correct and a diplomat and a chameleon. I'll switch colors quickly, wherever I'm found. This is your God. And a whole list of things that can come to any believer. Our goal is to make it to heaven. That's the primary goal of every believer. Finish the race. If we have stumbled somewhere, get back on track and be more sober than ever. Be more vigilant. Don't fall for it. Don't let anybody take you shopping when you're supposed to be in the presence of God. How often we've seen people fall. The moment they get some liberty, some freedom, some blessing, out they go doing what? Well, I have my schedule in God's time while I can get to it later. I determine how much of the medicine I need, spiritual medicine. And I know the pastors say you need this much and God says this much. I can get along with one tablet of spiritual medicine. I don't need seven. We've seen people fall. The what blessing God gave, they actually contributed to losing that. Because they presumed upon God's grace. They thought, well, things are getting better now, so I, I guess I can be a little more lax on this. And Well, I can have the best of both worlds. I know how to swing it. Very, very tragic. The good news is, if we're hearing the message, we don't need to fall ever again for the lies of Satan or for the folly that we may have partaken in, exactly as you heard it now. Be on guard, be vigilant, be sober. Know that the devil doesn't usually come as a boogeyman, we know that, a bogeyman, as some would say, and appear and come to threaten us with sharp teeth and fangs and all these things. But he comes through people. And often he likes to come through the people closest to us, if we're not careful. If they're not careful. How do we be careful? Taking heed to God's word. They brought these things up and they began to worship. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He went the whole nine yards. In Ephesians 6, another place in the New Testament, we see clearly how spirits come, evil spirits come. Much of the church 
doesn't even believe that, really. No wonder they get slaughtered. They wear their suits and ties, they have their lipstick, they have their perfume, they have everything, but they're inhabited by demons, their lives are run by demons, and they're fooling themselves, thinking they're Christian. How does such a thing happen? Because the worst enemy is the one who's invisible, or the one we think doesn't exist. That's what the enemy does. Oh, that thing about evil spirits and uh, witchcraft and sorcery and having to bind and cast. You know what? That's a little too much for me. We've actually encountered people, some who've come to the meetings and they thought, you know what? This. Let me go back to my old time religion. You know what that is? Going and greeting the parking lot attendants, smiling, having a ribbon or whatever affixed to my suit or blouse and you get little goodies when you go to church and you get to sing and you get some entertainment and you get to um, basically have it your way and they'll serve it up just the way you want it and it's a happy family there's no holiness there's no awareness that the devil is working in your home through the media as your children working in your husband or wife everybody's smiling sitting side by side shining family well, there's disaster working, brewing. The Lord doesn't reveal everything up front, but we see as we read the scriptures what has happened here in Exodus 32. Spiritually, we can see clearly that Satan entered into the camp and dispatched so many demons that went into the people, thousands of them, including Aaron. How else could someone who's a high priest actually make a god an idol and then build an altar for it and let the people run wild? He made an altar. And he went further. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Can you imagine this in the first five verses? How many crimes are being built up here, added to their resume against the living God? What do they do? Well, Aaron's the man. He's the man. We like him. He gives us what we want. Okay, Aaron, tomorrow's a feast. Well, let's get up early. That's what they did and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The actual word in the Hebrew for play is a laugh. To be amused. Nothing wrong with that, is it? Is there anything wrong with that? They ate, they drank, and they rose up to play. We know they had that golden calf. We know they had that altar. That's wrong, but they were happy. I mean, after all, they got up early. How reverent, how religious. And they offered burnt offerings. They did what God said, similar to Saul. I did everything that God told me to do, Samuel. You liar, Samuel said, essentially. 
And the people sat down to eat and drink physiologically, biologically. We know what food can do. It can make you relax. It can make you feel, maybe for some people, a little giddy. Get a little loose, maybe. Speech, comedy, and so forth. And they rose up to play. What's wrong with laughing? If that's what that Hebrew word means, what's wrong with a little amusement? Let's turn our Bibles. I'll ask somebody to read. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and see what the Spirit of God tells us about this kind of play. Someone please read 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 down to verse 8. First Corinthians chapter 10, NIV version, verse 6 through 10. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Praise God. Praise God. What do we do with Exodus 32? seems so depressing, doesn't it? So tragic and maybe we may feel, you know, it really doesn't have a bearing on my life today, Pastor. I'm looking for healing. I'm looking for promotion. I'm looking for deliverance. I'm looking for, well, number one is the Word of God and God ordained. We're up to that chapter. Should we skip it? That would be so foolish to ignore God's Word because what we're hearing today will help everyone in some form. It's the Word of God. We'll be able to keep ourselves aware, on guard, while the devil is scheming to come around the corner with something we don't expect. The Spirit of God is given this morning full protection by being forewarned and forearmed. Secondly, those who we care about were being slaughtered. The spiritual seriousness, solemnity of what we're reading will be deposited into us. We can prevent death spiritually and physically. The Word of God. Please um, mute your lines if you have it unmuted. We can be used by God to prevent others from dying. Others who think, you know what, I just feel a little loose today. I think I'll go and hang out with that Christian brother or Christian sister who's also like me. Get into trouble. Clearly we see here, when it says that they rose up to play, 
in verse 7 in the New King James it says in 1 Corinthians 10 and do not become idolaters as some were some of them they they engage just in that bowing down to this golden calf horrible horrible crime but also others they committed sexual immorality very common in pagan religions especially in the ancient near east that time they would have this immorality factor and even today in some of the uh most neighborly oriented religions in the east further east you'll have uh, prostitution in the temples these people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play immorality is connected with this and as we read further in Exodus 32 they were unrestrained they were shamefully exposed the lord saw this while he's giving moses the commandments the instructions he says go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way which i commanded them they have made themselves a molded calf god burns against idolatry why because is an insult to him he's the almighty god and he told them already thou shall have no other gods before me there is no other god don't make any so called gods God has revealed himself to them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, "This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt." And the Lord said to Moses, "I have seen this people." He said, "I've been observing them." And indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Speaking of the stubbornness, they will not budge. You can't get them to move. very very proud arrogant all oh, that come with the burnt offerings and peace offerings but they're like vomit to me pride is disgusting this is what the people have stiff-necked people so stubborn now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and i may consume them they will make of you a great nation it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god then moses pleaded with the lord his god and said lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of egypt with great power and with a mighty hand what kind of question is that why does your wrath burn hot against your people And he adds this whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand what did God just tell Moses they've made an idol and they're worshiping it 
I'm going to wipe them out. Evil, wicked people, murmuring, complaining, putting God down, putting a servant down. Every good thing God does, find fault with it. Do you know people like that? Sometimes we may come from an environment where we are negative. Some people are just negative. Everything that you tell them, they'll find uh, something bad to say about it. When God blesses, yeah, but instead of saying, thank you, Jesus. And sometimes, some people come from homes that are full of negativity. It's without even thinking. Like some people lie. That's their culture in their home. They just are used to lying. Everything is a lie, a pretense. So for others, it's negativity. Constantly, they've trained themselves and they're part of that mold. They'll despise everything, scorn everything, and find fault with other people, blame. This is how they live. That's how they fuel their own ego. These people are like that. Wicked. God said, I've seen. You see, it's not a one-time act over here. This is a culmination. God's been watching them day after day after day. Moses intervenes, and Moses, of course, thinks he knows better than God. He says, why, Lord? I don't want that bad publicity there. Egyptians to say, well, he brought them out to kill them now. Please don't do that. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? So the Lord relented, verse 14, from the harm which he said he would do to his people. I made the statement earlier, because God averts disaster, because he gives us what we ask him, remember, like when he gave Saul as the first king, because they kept pestering Samuel, the priest, the prophet, kept pestering God, we want it, we want it, we want it. God said, okay, have it your way. But I'm warning you, you're going to have trouble. Sure enough, they had trouble. We should never be happy that we got something because we're so fixated on that thing that somehow we thought we manipulated God and we got it and we run with it and it turns out to be our undoing. How often people have thought one thing they ended up with a totally different thing because they thought they knew better than God and they even tried to manipulate God. They manipulate themselves. All these things happen to human beings daily. And it happens to quite a number of people who identify as Christians. We should not be among that crowd. We should come to God sincerely and say, Father, all I want is your will and everything, Lord. Father knows best, the Heavenly Father. These same group of people caused tremendous trouble for Moses and for God. And God eventually did wipe them out. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other. They were written on the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. 
But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. It's for singing connected with idolatry and foolishness. Much like what we see, or I don't see, but many people see on TV, many, many, many talent competitions. And they even will have gospel songs. But in what context? To shine before the world? And some would say, well, I'm bringing the gospel there. If that were the case, then the testimony should match. The after the competition should show. But it's the desire to be seen and heard and thought of as good and uh, talented. Baited into that. And how many people watch it? What do we have to do with anything that doesn't honor God? Our loyalty to Jesus must be seen in what we consume as entertainment as well. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. The connection with immorality, the unrestrained nature of their activities, as in verse 25 we see, the shame that comes to them made themselves shameful. shows that this dancing was some kind of demonic seductive dancing. So Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. He said, this is what you want? Drink it. And Moses sat down. You see, Moses reacted like this after he came and saw. But who saw before Moses? God saw. It didn't occur to Moses the depth of the iniquity. And God said, look, stiff-necked, idolatrous, evil people, I'm going to burn them up, destroy them. I've been watching them. I've been observing them. Repeatedly they're doing this. Now Moses just throws the tablets down. He just has had it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you, older brother? What happened that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they're set on evil. The blame game, like Saul. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of, out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. They were running wild. It was disco, rock and roll, whatever. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, 
whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. The entrance of the camp. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. See, it wasn't Moses because of his anger. Well, let's just kill off these people. Didn't he just intercede for them and say, God, please spare them? We've heard this before in the scriptural teaching from Pastor Kerba that we need to know God intimately and when he says something really humble ourselves to begin to think like him and to ask him if we have some kind of disconnect because of our tiny brains and maybe because of our own concept of justice come to God God is perfect he's absolutely perfect that's his nature he's the most loving person the most merciful he never changes and he's a just God he won't allow evil to run rampant become a harmful agent to his kingdom to his children now look at what Moses does here he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, that every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. You see, the punishment was so drastic because the crime was so heinous. It was so abominable right in front of God's face as it were they were doing the worst things a person can do God could have separated 23,000 with an earthquake and destroyed them with the earth opening up as he did later on he could have done it another way but you see there's a test of loyalty here also Phinehas as we know those who are familiar with that passage when uh, fornication idolatrous acts were done by an Israelite In broad daylight, God was furious. Nobody took action. Phinehas took a spear and went to the tent and he thrust both the man and the woman. And it's written that God's wrath was appeased at that point. God is holy. These things are examples The spiritual implication is we need to be loyal to God. To love God means to be loyal to Him. To mean, it means to understand that He's perfect and just, righteous. We need to be just like that. That's what it means to be loyal to Him. Just like Him. Here, He acted 
swiftly and he used these means to show them quite graphically up front don't ever do this again unfortunately it wasn't enough for them they did it again and again and again and judgment after judgment came God had so many judgments against Egypt because they were idolatrous his own people are doing this now and he's forced to take action because he's a just God he can't allow demons to come in and wreak havoc in his kingdom of priests as he called Israel and whoever sides with demons God never changes they'll be cut off we identified how demons come in what way today and Moses said well let's back up here so the sons of Levi verse 28 Exodus 32 did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 of the people fell that day in the New Testament it says about 23,000 we can read about the reconciliation of the discrepancy scripture is true if it says one thing in one part it says another thing in another part there's no contradiction there's something we don't understand you can see examples of that in Paul's writing some things that seem to appear one way when we read it in the Old Testament then is totally amplified in the New Testament we can conclude for our purposes that a tremendous amount of people died 23,000 at least then Moses said consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brother does this sound familiar Jesus Christ the Lord of life said don't think do not think that I came to bring peace but I came to set a man against his son a daughter against his mother and so forth When you're called to be loyal to Jesus, you've got to identify idolatry and say, I have nothing to do with that. You've got to stand up for the truth, even if it means pain. The cross, absent from a Christian's life is a comfortable pit that would lead to hell in the lake of fire eventually. There's no Christianity without the cross. It's not merely the cross on which Jesus died, but the cross that he commands us as we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. The Levites showed their loyalty to God by carrying their crosses how? they had to kill sons and brothers we have explained a number of times already why this drastic measure was taken at that time 
could have happened in other ways. Today, it happens in other ways. God takes action. He allows destruction to come upon people who presume upon His grace. And they're corrupting agents in the church. It's important for us to note that God is well pleased. It's written, you see, in the book of Ezekiel. We see it in Jeremiah and different places. God does not take pleasure in the death of the blank. Who knows the answer to that blank? God does not take pleasure in the death of the... You can just call it out and mute. Wicked. Wicked. Notice it didn't say, God doesn't take pleasure in the death of anybody. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of an innocent baby. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of uh, women who are going through a difficult divorce. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of a man who has such financial loss that he's getting ready to jump out of a window. Oh, God doesn't want people to die. Good people. People are struggling. But to show the immensity of God's love for humanity, it says God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now, on the one hand, his wrath is appeased against the evil. On the one hand, he does get glory and he takes vengeance on the wicked. But on the other hand, it says that he doesn't take pleasure in simply seeing death. On the one hand, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There's a particular class of people with a qualification clearly outlined in John 3.16. On the other hand, in Timothy it says, he's not willing that any should perish. The more we read the scriptures through and through, humbly, we can know that the living God, there's no one like him. He's holy. He's just. He's loving, He's merciful, He's good, He's kind. Everything is recorded. There's a reason for it. We must not let the devil influence us through some humanistic thinking to try to undermine the actions of God as far as His integrity and His character. We need to know any accusation against God, any accusation, even in the slightest degree rising up within your imagination. The source is Satan. It's Satan. It's the devil himself. It's not wrong to reason and ask, how did this happen and why did this happen? But it's wrong to ask, Lord, how could you do this? As if God did something wrong. Especially for us who've been bought by his blood, who know the extent of his love, all that he's forgiven us. Readily apparent what these people did was extremely, extremely abominable, the sight of God. And he had to act, we mentioned a number of reasons why he had to act the way he did. 
why he used the Levites, why he had Moses say, thus says the Lord, it's time to take action. Take your sword and do this. He doesn't call us to do it today, but he had to do it back then. There's a test of the loyalty. And how does that translate to us? We've mentioned already. When you have to stand up for Jesus amongst your family. That's a test of your love and loyalty to him. And you would rather face their wrath, their cold shoulder, their despising behavior against you, their scorn, their abuse. Why? You weren't looking for abuse, but you stayed loyal to the Lord. And the Lord said, all they that are godly shall suffer persecution. In another context, Christians such as we are here, who have been exposed to the truth to such a degree that is truly uncommon. Many of you can testify. I can testify growing up and going to different places in the last 40 plus years. It's a privilege from God. We ought to have such a spiritual spine to be able to talk to lukewarm people who call themselves Christians or backslidden people and tell them this is not the way. Oh, you're judging me. You hate me. Who do you think you are? You're connected with that church, aren't you? And you're listening to those people, aren't you? They believe in this and that and it's a whole drama over there. I can go watch a PG-rated movie. I'm okay. Yes, I live in this house under your roof. I can do what I want. Wife, you got to listen to me. Husband, you got to listen to me. Let's go. I'm not asking you to watch something pornographic. I'm not asking you to watch an R-rated movie. It's a PG-rated movie. For crying out loud. 13-year-olds can watch it. But it has enough of pornography, blasphemy, filth, relationships with people who are clearly not married, all kinds of things in there, defiance to parental authority, made in a comical way, and all sorts of things that are wicked from the pit of hell, glamorized. What's wrong with that? You're strange. You're a Christian? Well, they have words for people like you, you know. It's not just holy than thou. And I really don't want to hear it. And do me a favor, if you keep this up, trying to point out what I shouldn't do and what I should do, try to be my judge and tell me how it's not healthy for you. Well, why don't you go and live on Christmas Island, Christian Island, for the elite people? Apparently, you think you're the only ones that are going to make it to heaven. Yes, all these things will come from the pit of hell, from the mouth of the devil, who went so far as to tell the Son of God himself, you have a devil. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Satan saying, Satan saying through religious people, you have a devil, God. That's how ridiculous it will be. 
But we need to be prepared. We need to be loyal to God. We need to know what's happening behind the scenes. Take our stand and say, I'm not moving. Come what may, I stand for the Lord, my God. Who's on the Lord's side? I am. And God will bless you for it. It's not simply, you know what, I have to grit my teeth and just forge through this and I can't wait till I have finished facing this one and that one and telling them I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in holiness and yeah, I believe you can lose your salvation. I know I'm getting beat up all over left and right and boy, I made it through. Where can I get back to my church and community where I feel better? No, there's a blessing. There's a stamina that's deposited into us when we're faithful in the little. God will make us stronger and he'll impart an anointing that will persuade certain people who he has already seen, they will come over to the Lord's side. Hallelujah. Now it came to pass on the next day, verse 30, Exodus 32, verse 30, that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I'll make, I'll go up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Now, Anytime we read this, I want to say this before we close this morning. Anytime you have people quoting scriptures about God's mercy, His forgiveness, about the remnant, about restoration and restitution, always remember, there were casualties during the process. There were people who are gone forever, they will not be part of the remnant. So the people Moses is speaking to here, there's a subtraction that has happened. The people that died, they've gone already to hell. He can't recover them. Verse 30 does not apply to the people who fell in the previous verses. The arc, tragic reality that we have to understand before we misuse scriptures and try to tone down God's justice and his plan and give false hope false security what a treacherous thing to do to give anyone false hope and false security it's the worst thing we can do when they're in danger spiritually say well look what God did I know Israel sinned but look he said look your sons are going to come from afar and everything's going to be okay God said, I love you. I'm bringing you back. But there were casualties along the way. Those people never come back. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, All these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, block me out of your book which you have written. There were people who were forgiven, but there were people who died also. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, God's not going to do something unjust. I'm going to blot out Moses because of their sin, because he feels sorry for them. The Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. And therefore go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. God is impartial. God is just. Just like he said in the book of Revelation. 
I will give to every man according to his work. Every single person. We can know there's nothing unpredictable with God. Hallelujah. He's not whimsical. He's not someone who you don't know what kind of mood he's in. He might change his laws all of a sudden, change things on you. He may be fierce all of a sudden after he's sweet one moment. That's how many of these so-called gods are in other religions. You don't know what's going on. The best you can do is do some sacrificial ritual duties and try to do the right thing and don't kill any ants or mice. Hopefully you have a good name somewhere. You won't come back as a rat or a whatever. It's the living God. We can know exactly his standard. The Lord says, here I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. He forgave. He allowed the people who survived to continue. But there's also a plague. 23,000. So we have many things that we have learned hopefully, from Exodus 32. And how about giving the whole story to our children? How about telling the whole truth to our people? So that the fear of God will come upon them. They'll know God is truly holy. And He doesn't act according to what we'd like, even according to what Moses thought He should do. But he acts in a certain way because he's perfect. And we can be on his side of blessing. That's his longing. If we simply read the word, get to know him, keep reading the word, be more and more humble, say, Father, your way is a path of righteousness. Oh, it's a path dripping with goodness. Yes, it is. For all who would abide with him. All who would not challenge him foolishly and bring other things and say, God, we can have both. We want you and we want the other lover too. Instead, imagine if all across America, all across the world, people call themselves Christians and leaders, churches would just say, Father, how foolish we've been if they have been. We've actually courted greed. We were more job-oriented, Lord, than God-oriented. Lord, we were more people-oriented than God-oriented. Lord, we were more pleasure-oriented than God-oriented. Lord, we are more hobby-oriented, exercise and all kinds of things. And so many things came, Lord, and I didn't even realize that I was really treating you as less than God. Oh, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to love you the way you ought to be loved. You deserve all my heart. Truly, I will love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Shall we pray?
Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you for your truth, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for impressing upon us one more time. And perhaps for some the first time. How easy it is to get off track and not even know it until a big disaster happens. And how easy it is to avoid it if we simply read what has happened before us so we don't repeat the mistakes our ancestors did by way of spiritual lineage through Abraham, through Christ. And Lord, how we can be like Levi, be loyal to you. We can be like Phineas and Samuel and Moses. Thank you, Lord. Showing us the clear division between darkness and light. And how to be in the light as you are in the light. Bless your people this day, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. Amen.